It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The award-winning Crunch Time. And passes it forward. And the kick from Adams goes inside 50. Pumpley's out the back. And you'll never catch him there. Wild celebrations from the pack. He gets under the kick a little bit. It's in Pumpley's direction, which is always good. Although it's been spilled. Judson Clark. Who's got it? Pumpley's got it. And popping up Pumpley. Four goals. The Braden Campbell. Takes off, runs to 50, he drives it long, the goal would almost seal it, he's got it! Papley from the pocket, pops it through, for number five, he's lurking at the back, he's going to get this Papley, he's going to stroll in, he's going to waltz in, he's going to line it up again! You know, put the foot to the floor and go away with it like that, that team tonight that we had was fantastic, it was great experiences, you know, I know Richmond were away and we were away, it's a bit unusual. <laughs> you know, to come away, but you, you play together as a young team and you have a win like that, it's a beauty. You know, it was a really fulfilling moment for them. Richmond proved their own worst enemy through ill-discipline and error as Big Pappy leads the understudy Swans to a barnstorming, morale-boosting victory. Wrong side for a left foot, and let's see what he does. He's on the boundary line, about three metres in. Left foot pocket, northern end of Norwood Oval. This is a huge kick. He goes for the traditional drop punch. Oh, yeah. Umpire doesn't yeah. move. There goes inside 50. Here's a chance. Now it comes down to Frederick. Goes over to Woods. Banfield on his natural left. He kicks a goal. I reckon he's won the game for him. They've stolen it. Yeah, he's really proud of it. The boys, because um, you know, 23 or five, whatever it was, points down and away from home, you know, copping what we've been copping, that could have easily gone the other way. And um, yeah, they, they, they found a way. Fremantle survive a narrow scrape of the parades. The Dockers find some fluency late as Stuart Dew's sons fall deeper into a one and four hole. And I felt when we chose that, that was going to be right, but it's sort of everything you'd hope for. I really feel it. It's just. Great feel, actually, it's, and um, makes you pretty proud of our game. Oh, look, where's that? I mean, there's a real, there's a real energy and buzz in this air of the city at the moment that I haven't experienced in my lifetime. Maybe when I was a kid when the Grand Prix was here. I think people are excited. They realise that the the eyes of the nation are on us, and we're ready to seize that moment. And, and South Australians going to turn up in droves. And I know a lot of people are coming from interstate this weekend, which is great. It's been an absolutely damning success. We have to say, the game, people just walking down the streets and just buzzing. It's great to grab a game everywhere. If you could rotate something like this, you can't rotate the grand final. It wouldn't be great to take on the road. And the transformational power of gather rounds. South Australia stages a heartfelt demonstration of footy passion as the queue grows to stage what is instantly one of the highlights of the calendar. Live in Adelaide, this is a round five edition of Crunch Time.
usually just one more riff and bar, <laughs> and it sort of really gets you going for it. But we are swept up in the joy of footy here in the city of churches, the biggest crowd. To see a Swans Sydney, a Swans Richmond game in Sydney had been forty thousand three hundred and eighty-six at Stadium Australia in two thousand and two, and the Premier got his wish here last night as they topped that by two thousand. And there was the grassroots exhibition of footy at Norwood. So there's a tremendous feeling in the town. We've all been part of it. And so we've gathered Hall of Famers. Really, only Hall of Famers needed to apply today. I feel like the highest-ranking official in the town would be a two-time Premiership captain, and the highest-ranking traveller would be a five-time Premiership player. Dermot Burton, welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, no, we're still mourning. Still mourning. Yeah. I am that. And even, and even more mourning than normal. <laughs> no, yes, yes, we are too. Uh, I know it sounds like we're just jumping on the bandwagon. There is an absolute buzz in this city. It feels like... An expo, a city in expo, just exposing the code of AFL football. There is a real buzz to this place and loving every moment that you step outside and you walk along the footpaths. You cannot walk 10 metres without meeting three or four different coloured jerseys yep. of, of AFL teams. It's just a wonderful one. It is a football town right now. It is. It is. Cheerio to the Northcote Richmond supporters who demanded that their, <laughs> their travel be honoured on crunch time today. So a salute to you guys. Uh, the, the sense of hosting pride in the city. Mark Bickley, welcome. Yeah, good afternoon. You got me going now, Dem. Good morning, I should say. We're used to being on in the afternoon, aren't we? Uh, I, I concur with everything you say. I, I was wrapped when Adelaide... Uh, actually chased the gather round. I thought it would be great here because we, we have a great uh, sense of pride in hosting events, whether it's the, the test match, we make an event out of that, whether it's uh, the big fringe festival we have in March. But uh, this has exceeded my expectations and, and I, I was fortunate. I took my two boys who were sort of uh, 11 and 13 and we walked across the bridge uh, on Thursday night to watch the Crows play. And as you got into the Southern Plaza, there were people everywhere. It was, it was 100 metres long 15 wide to to, uh, to get in. And it just reminded me of being a neutral supporter at the grand final. There was this air of anticipation. Um, it was probably a little bit better because my team was playing, but I've been to lots of grand finals and you're jealous of the, the people that have got their scarves on that are supporting their team, but you just swept up in the, the electricity. And I actually think grand final time, the best time of the grand final is the hour beforehand because there's 100,000 people who have got this anticipation. There's no disappointment yet uh, or there's no ecstasy <laughs> yet. Yeah, so you've got the whole crowd uh, feeling that electricity and that's what's been replicated this weekend. You know what, with, with Bixo? Next year, keeps going in this trajectory, mm. they're going to need a bigger bridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is getting out of there. That's an issue, isn't it? It's like the, it's like the, the penguin shuffle. You can't uh, put your feet a metre in front of yourself. And completing our quartet in our journos chair today is Cal Toomey. Cal, great to have you on Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Mark and Thank Derm. You. Not quite at Hall of Fame level, but happy to be here. It's been a fantastic <laughs> week here on Tuesday. Seen the build-up, the momentum. I've also had an insight from where I work at afl.com.au to see how this has come together over recent months and weeks. So I think they'd be pretty pleased with how the opening stages of it have proceeded. But also there's some storylines out of Friday, isn't there, yep. in terms of the two games and was lucky enough to be at both of them and, and both of them left us wanting more from a couple of teams and excited to see bits of progress from two. Is the stories bigger about the losers than it is about the winners? Yeah, for sure. And that was definitely the case at Norwood. Uh, on Friday afternoon. And I think whoever lost that game was going to be absolutely under the, the microscope. And I'm sure we'll get further Flesh into where this, where this leads to Stuart Jew and the Suns because they are in a, a spot of bother. And, of course, Richmond uh, 
Kane Corns was pretty strong, wasn't he, on Friday night in your coverage, Jared, about where this leads them and their next era because uh, they are hit with injuries. So were the Swans, though, and we'll have more news on that soon. All right. What was Norwood like? Damn it. Stunning. Uh, I've been out to Norwood before. I'm not like some of my compatriots who I went out there and worked with. Alistair Lynch has played there before in the... Oh, I'm going to feel old here, Bix. Well, I am. Uh, 1988 Bicentennial Carnival. He was in Division 2 playing for Tasmania. They played out there. Sorry, Lynchy, the Division 1 teams don't play out there. But it has a boutique feel to it. It's a cauldron-ish, even though it doesn't have huge stands. The fence and the, the terraces are fairly thin on the outside, so everybody must stand close together on the outer wing mm. to watch the game. It gives it a real cosy feeling. The state of the ground, the, the, the actual grass surface, was as good as perfect. Little narrow. I wouldn't have liked mm. to play out there. Not too many searching leads to the wing. I would have ended up in row 15. But uh, it was fantastic. It was just a, and to see some old mates. I saw Rocky Roberts and Richmond supporters would would remember him. Neville Roberts. He came over in the early seventies. Played premierships with Richmond. Played in premierships. Hall of Hall of Famer and also Team of the Century with Norwood. I saw Michael Ash, the great Michael Ash, one of the best players mm. never to play in the AFL. Played in uh, representative teams for it. It was a who's who of Norwood. Only Gary McIntosh, the, the, the stubborn, arguing Gary <laughs> McIntosh for Victorians. I think Macca was the best player in my time never to play AFL slash VFL. Mm. He would have been perfectly suited to it and he was tough. He was the one who said, nah, bugger him, I'm not coming to an AFL game. It's too Victorian for me. Um, <laughs> and and that's, that's him. We loved him. And he gave it to us on, on the State of Origin games. We saw all these wonderful Norwood players coming back to, to the ground. Ned Kelly, Craig Kelly, just poked his head in for a little while as well. So, yeah, they were all there. It was just a wonderful, wonderful day. The yeah. thing, oh, sorry, I was going to say, the thing about Norwood Oval is, that it, particularly on the, the side where the, the coach's box and the yeah. stands are, you're literally three metres from the on line. The, so yeah. I was listening to the, the broadcast yesterday on SEN and you could hear the players on the interchange bench yelling out to their teammates. <laughs> and, and when you're and, and I'm, I'm sure that when you're there watching it, you can hear what's going on on the ground. That just adds so much to it for me. Cal, there, there's going to be the odd wrinkle the first time you stage something. And it, reading the local paper this morning is... They were a bit thirsty in the crowd. <laughs> they just couldn't quite get the beers the way they would have liked to. Well, I was standing out on the outer, outer wing for the first half before heading into Adelaide Oval, and I did hear some murmurs that the line for the, the beer was about 30 to 40 minutes. So there was a quarter spent wow. there. But I've spoken to the AFL this morning, and they will be opening more food and beverage before the second game on Sunday. And this is the learning process of Gather Round, isn't it, for tomorrow's clash between GWS and Hawthorne. Where some long lines. I think there's some some planned food and beverage uh, options that weren't able to be open due to some unforeseen staffing issues, but that'll be rectified. And that's part of... Uh, Part of the days, and I don't think anyone was too happy. Some people were actually going outside to the beer tents outside, getting it's, a pass out, and then coming back in. Nothing to do with the thirst of the actual supporting group. It might they have might been just be too. thirstier than some others. It might have been that, but I think they want to make sure that tomorrow there's a little bit more on hand for for the supporters who've made the trip over. Yes, and that all the more reason it should be here again next year to get to, to its maximum capacity, and then we'll come back to to the overall of gather round as we work our way through crunch time. So. Richmond's litany of self-sabotage last night was really something to behold. We'll lord Sydney shortly. But 
ridiculous intercept goals given up, ludicrous 50-meter penalties. Mm. Bolton, who's going to find himself sitting for at least a week and probably two. McIntosh is knocking a ball out of an opponent's hand. Six, six, six breaches at the most critical moment of yeah. the game. And half a dozen shots in the last quarter, which funneled either side of the goal. Yeah, they couldn't even score. Didn't register. And I thought, well, that's if you're going to miss, that's a good miss. At least they don't have possession. But then Sydney were good enough to actually take the ball from stoppage, march it, it down the It's a good miss once. Well, yes, not a good miss yeah. six times. Yeah, that's a lot of scoring you've left on the table. But they nailed it in the third quarter. Uh, there was a couple of things. I, I've described it before. Sometimes the ball in the opposition's hand, when they've taken a mark and you man that mark, it's like the cat with the bit of cotton wool. You are powerless to stop yourself slapping it away when you have that moment <laughs> when you feel, I can't think all that. Bang, I've knocked it away. And you go, oh, my God, what have I done? And McIntosh did that. Noah Bolter, I, I saw it unfolding and I went, oh, he is. Oh, crowd saw it unfolding. Uh, oh, but he, he's one of these guys, and we want to speak fondly of him because he's still a young man. He is a super talent, but at this stage of his career, and I liken it to the highly intelligent Chris Langford. Chris Langford's footy IQ as a young man was where about Noah Bolter's was now. So you can grow and learn. He turned into one of the all-time greats. But you could see Noah running so fast. It was at Heaney came and smothered it, wasn't it? And ran. You could see him running so fast at him. There was no temperance. There was no understanding of the play. And he rocketed the handball. And, and Heaney, Heaney was the one who said, he's going to give it to me here. <laughs> he's going to give it to me. So he, he, he needs to play. And it's, it's one of those things. You're going to take pain with him when he's in one-out modes down back. But... He just has to keep playing to understand these moments. It's also a little bit about the, having some experience around. You know, if, if Jaden Short's playing off half back, there's some positioning issues with that handball. He tried to handball over the top of Heaney. And I reckon since I've been 13, we, we were taught, don't handball over someone. One, you've got to have a loop on it and it mm. makes it slower and someone else is going to be under pressure. So just a change of angle or position so that the handball has to go across rather than over the top. And it just was telegraph, wasn't it? And like you said, everyone saw it coming. Can I, can I just throw one in there? And he has been an absolute star for Richmond and I feel like I, I don't want to no you got to as you call Dylan Grimes got beaten in more one-on-ones last night and neutralized in more one-on-ones than he has for the last five years that I can think of in any game I just thought is that his his body his reflexes his reading failing I, I, I can't put my finger mm. on it yet but he got beaten in one-on-ones which you never one thing you can bank on with Richmond, oh, it's going down that way. Dylan Grimes, he's one-on-one. -on -one. Even if he's fighting the fight one-on-two, he'll at least equalise. Yeah, and I, it didn't happen. I also think there's there's, there's a um, uh, the, the, the greater good of the, the defence of Richmond is always the sum of the parts is much better. And when you Nick Vlostin not there... Um, Nathan Broad not there. They're the blokes who, if if Dylan Grimes can lock down on his man and stop him from jumping, they're, they're relying on those other guys to come across. Or they're enabling if, if Grimes gets it to ground, they're the first one that's there. And I just felt like you can lose some players, you can cover some, but then there's a tipping point. And I reckon Richmond reached that tipping point. They, they just didn't have the experience that we've generally come to expect. And the cohesion that a side that's played a lot together normally shows. Yeah, Lostin was there, but he, oh, yeah, there were some others yeah. who weren't. Yeah. yeah, so they were quite depleted down back.
The Friday night wrap for the Stack Team app, the ultimate in team management. So Kane Corns was in our broadcast on AFL Nation. He's forecast Richmond. He thinks they've made the wrong decisions at the wrong time in what they've brought in and what they're trying to recapture. And there was validation before his eyes last night. To me, it feels like the end of an era tonight. And I know that's a big statement off one game, but I, but I think it's more than that. I was really perplexed by the moves that they made in the off-season. It was a significant risk and a risk that I think is really going to damage the future of the football club. It's not going to be Damien Harbert's problem because the likelihood of him being there for over 20 years is unlikely when these Hopper and Taranto deals expire. But right now with Richmond's ladder position, the pick for Jacob Hopper is well inside the top five or six, so that's going to hurt. But you've also given away three other first-round draft picks got some aging players coaching subbed out tonight that's significant so they got real concerns how do you feel about that opinion dermot i i'm i'm we're opposite the casino i'm a hold on that i i want to see them with a better list out on the field they, they are seriously depleted i i can understand because it, it sounds like it's almost the history of my team that I love, Hawthorne, the O'Meara, the, the Tom Mitchell, the Wingard, uh, even Jarman Impey, these types of... Giving up Ryan Burton. Yeah, mm. and, and getting players like that in. And for what you give up, you want core players. Are they top-up players or will they be core to your survival and progression? So I'm a hold and wait and see at the moment on this because it's funny when you look at a team and you're watching it on TV and you're not at the ground, you see the ball exit screen and you go, oh, that's all right. That'll go to Grimes. The last couple of years, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'll appearing on screen next will be Rance, you know, mm. that type of thing. They're not there. So we can't get a true feel of that team at the moment. I felt for Trent Cotchin last night, and, and it was one of those times I thought to myself, and you, you don't mind talking, as Kane does, making hard calls and assessments and judgments because that's what happens within the club. I just wonder what the club thinks right now because they would have, I think, had a chat with Trent in the off-season, and it, from all the noise that when we've questioned this, it sounds like Trent Cotchin's been such a wonderful servant, we've left the the choice in his hands. I saw Ollie Florent. Now, Ollie's a standard-paced league player. He's not lightning. Mm. He's not slow. He's your standard-paced league footballer. And he ran away from Trent in the middle of the ground, and it was glaring. When you get those one-on-one -on -one exposures, it was glaring that Trent can't run anyone down, can't chase him. He's still monstrous, the way he attacks the footy and the way he supplies that leadership, which some teams lack. So it, it can be valuable what his assets still are. But it was glaring that he physically couldn't do the things that made him a great player. So, so he started the substitute last week, mm. ended at the substitute last night. With a full list and Jack Graham's missing at the moment through that midfield, is he in their best 23? I still think they'll persevere with him. I, I've, I've had a bit of a, a, a really nice 
seat here watching what's happening in Adelaide. Rory Sloan coming back from a knee reconstruction, how they handle that, the ascension of the captaincy there to Jordan Dawson. And what they're doing with Sloan is Sloan's playing about 65% game time at the moment and, he, and he's spending a lot of the starts of the quarters off. And then when the heat is off the game, he, you know, he comes in at the 15-minute mark or the 20-minute mark. Uh, certainly he plays much more in the second half. So last week... Had 12 possessions in the third quarter when a bit of heat was off the game and, and played really well in the second half. But it's his, he doesn't stop talking. He's instructing and putting blokes in position. Now, that works when you've got a young side that needs a lot of direction. You've got coverage. Yeah, I'm not Face. sure that... Uh, that, that can Trent Richmond, be that player well, that I, you I'm can not sure. put on the ground at the 15-minute mark and the, 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 the pace is out mm. of the game and, the, and the, the quicker players cover... His lack of pace now. Can he be that player well, still? Well, that's what I think they should be exploring. They also should be exploring the, you know, how many games he actually plays during the year. So when he does play, he's fresh and he's actually, um, you know, close to, you know, maximum output for him. But what I was saying about Sloan, Adelaide have got the second youngest list in the competition. So you need that direction. I'm not sure Richmond are in that same boat and again can afford Almost that luxury. Now. So, Almost. well, this is your long suit, Cowler, is yeah. Richmond's positioning that trying to play both sides of the fence, what they gave up for Hopper and Taranto. Yeah, and there's first-rounders and there's first-rounders, and clubs talk about that, don't they, around the, the top end of a group. And last year there was a real top end, a real top 10 in that draft class. And then the next part of that first round, I think there was a lot of uncertainty about where they actually all fit in, in the average draft class. And we haven't seen too many of the, the 10 to 20 of that pool yet. The top 10 is looking really, really good, as we all know. But their picks they gave up for Taranto are 12 and 19. Those players haven't played yet, those guys who were selected at that point. Uh, and then the, the future first-round pick is, is the issue now because they've obviously given a huge hand in terms of the Giants and, and that future first-round pick. At the moment, it's a top-six selection, and the Giants have been winners out of this before. They, they obviously got Finn Callahan out of the, the Collingwood trade a few years ago when nobody would have expected Collingwood to finish 17th on the ladder. So that's playing the futures market and, and backing yourselves in. It doesn't help when you play the futures market and you lose your key forward for eight to ten weeks in Tom Lynch and your, your captain or co-captain and Ruckman for about the same amount of time. So I think the, the disjointed nature of how they're playing at the moment is coming through. But without a selection, that makes it a little bit harder to placate what's happening. So I think the question that sits on Hopper and Taranto right now is are they Mitchell and O'Meara who, who yeah. have come when you're, you're grasping at it one more time, but it actually is gone? Yeah, and that's a fair question. But my, my view is what you, you're this far and you may as well keep going. So you've made the big calls. You've gone for them at seven-year deals at, at high price. You, you've backed in the salary cap to rise, so that's okay from a money point of view. Go and target some free agents now. So don't back over it and, and fall back into line after a year. You, you keep going with this and target a Harry Himmelberg or, or someone that you can get as a free agent rather than hitting the, the trade period. For me, this looks a little bit like what West Coast did when they topped up with Kelly at Geelong. They thought they could; he was the missing piece of the puzzle. But what happens is when Shuey and Yo and, and McGovern and those their body lets them down and they don't get out on the park, that's become very expensive for them and they haven't been able to regenerate through the draft yeah. perhaps as quickly. People have questioned Richmond's list management over the years. There were some pretty loud voices asking whether pick six for Dion Prestia was the right call as well early into that trade and it turned out the absolute right call. So I'm willing to give Blair Hartley and Matt Clark, guys who've steered this club back into success, a bit of time on this one. How impactful are Hopper and Taranto to your eye, Bix? Yeah, I, I just don't feel that they uh, they hurt the opposition enough. You can pick up the stat sheet today. Both had over 30 possessions. I think it was 31 and 34 or something like that. Hopper but it, 32, Taranto 34. Yeah, and, 
And I thought Taranto was probably the better of those two, but I just don't feel like you're sitting there thinking these guys are cutting him apart through the midfield. And, and you know, at different stages, when Chad Warner gets it and he bursts away and he, he breaks lines, you, th- you feel like he's hurting the opposition. I don't say that about those other There's guys. a reason the Giants kept Tom Green and let these two go. They, they, I think they're tremendous players, and I'm going to be hard and assess them. Taranto's, and they call him the bull. He's a fantastic bull, but he's a double grabber of the ball, which which takes away a quarter of a second, which is an eternity inside a packet. Mm. He's not a great kicker, the footy. He can go forward and kick goals, but he hasn't done that yet. Hopper's the more deft at sidestep, by him buying himself a half a second in traffic, sidestep, and then is able to deliver better. He's probably the better player, but his body has half let him down already as well. Neither of them truly run the lines, and yet the Giants viewed their pecking order, Tom Green number one, and he's the last on the scene, mm. then Hopper than Taranto. And as I say, that's that's no slight on them. They're very, very good players. That's just why they thought, we've got three blokes to do the one job. Let's keep the, the one we think's the best, and he's the youngest. And then there was the manner in which Richmond played, and that's uh, that aggrieved the coach, I think it's fair to say. And I thought our discipline was incredibly poor tonight. You know, a couple of instances we just look at and go, it's ridiculous what we're doing. So we'll uh, chat to the boys about that. Have you already? Yeah, yeah. In the end of the day, you now it's all good to push and shove, but the reality is you've got to pick the ball up. That's that's tough footy sort of stuff. So, you know, I'm disappointed with that, and our fans will be, and I'm sure they will be when they see them. You don't often hear a coach quite so blunt as that, Cal. Ridiculous. No, he was asking to be asked the follow-up there, wasn't he? Yep. And he put it out there. He wasn't – no one searched for the discipline question. He, he wanted to put that out there on his players. And the clear example of that last night was Shea Bolton, wasn't it? So and, how does this run through to your eye? Well, it's a strike, medium impact, I think, to, to the body and, and likely. Was it the inside of the, not palm, but what, the... Won't matter. It doesn't matter? Won't matter. Not in the manner that he swung at it. Because, yeah, whether it's a clenched fist or that inside yep. of the palm, they will, that will, they will argue that, though, won't they? Uh, I don't know. I, I just think once you stand there and do that, you're not beating anything. Yeah. However, this is graded is what he's going to serve. And I actually, I think my personal view, he'll serve two. Okay. What's oh, my personal one? view is one yeah. medium and body and one one go. Yeah. Will it come I down? To, I, I actually it... think it'll be high. I think it'll be medium and high. Because so the neck is high. Okay. Yeah. It's dubious whether it pushed up though. Isn't sure. It? Yeah. Will it be careless or intentional? Has to oh, be has intentional. intentional. Mm. Yeah. I think they've, they've, they've played stopped. stopped. And he knew played stopped. There's others where, what was the one Charlie Ballard earlier in the year? It was a boundary yeah. throwing. That was rank, forearm. Yeah, careless. Oh. <laughs> but that, that was, I think. Even, I reckon he'll get no benefit of the doubt in the way that mm. this is graded. Not, not, when you, not when you do that. So he'd already nearly kicked his opponent's head off. Yes. Which was a really dangerous That was crap. Oh, that was awful. Crude. And then for no reason whatsoever, just decided to whack him. Cal, my read on that game watching it last night was, and it's so easy to say, oh, they got under their skin, Sydney agitated Richmond and actually, and I don't think I've ever said it before, did get under their skin. They were niggling away at them and and just, they were doing a little, I'd hate those little acts performed against me and I probably would have struggled to hold back as well in, in the day. 
they were like schoolboys taking cheap shots, whether it was verbal or a little flick or whatever, and Richmond fell right into it and lost their cool as if to say, hey, we actually have won a premiership. You blokes have been smacked around. Cop this for your end. Free kick. And, and it was just such an amateur hour. Well, it, was, it was the upstarts, wasn't it? And that was probably what made John Longmire most proud last night post-game and that it was the youngest team off the round. We're going to come to that. We'll pay proper tribute to the Swans. The graphic nature of Jack Revolt's injury. So he had seven staples in his head to keep playing. And then it looks like, I reckon it's 12 stitches. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing footage, isn't it? And we saw the bandage during the game. So then it was unmasked at the end of the game. Yeah. Scenes of Francis Burke and Jack Dyer running off the ground. And the immediacy of the blood uh, was probably the most off-putting thing, wasn't it? Whoa. But yeah. there's, And there's something to be said as well for validation in resting him last week and what that can be done for, for we are talking about Trent Cotchin before, rested last week, comes back and played clearly the best game of his season so far. So You ever had the like stables, a, Bix? Well, I, I had. They this, hurt going in. They do, they ever. I, oh, once again, I, was, I took my boys last night to watch and I explained to them, he's probably going off to have that stapled. And they, they thought I was messing around. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> But having seen the minute he went down, he felt straight for his head. Uh, without trying to be do one upmanship here, I had a very similar experience at uh, played at Victoria Park in 1995, where one of my teammates, Andrew Jarman, kneed me to the side of the head, and it split me right across up the middle from here to to here. I'm just doing this visually. You're on radio, big front of my head to the back. I had 37 stitches. Oh, wow. yeah, 37. 37 stitches. It was a, it was a big gash, and literally got stretched off. They put a white towel. To, to sort of stop the bleeding and compress it. When I got into the change rooms, they threw the towel into the sort of onto the ground and it was just totally red. So it's a very vascous part yeah. of our body. You, you didn't come back and kick four? No, I didn't. I actually, I was still being stitched up after the game, uh, which uh, wasn't wow. much fun. So it happened in the second quarter. So it was a, it was a fairly nasty gash. So this is a three-inch gash straight down... Jack's forehead, it's going to ruin his TV career for a while. <laughs> He's never shaking that. that. That's, I mean, you're a, you're yeah. a legit hard man, to, yeah. but that's off-putting. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not what you want to be looking at across the dinner table, that's for sure. Well, you, I've canvassed my next statement with you before. The craft of being a key forward is going out of our game. Now, Jack's at about 50% of his powers physically of what he used to be in terms of jump, in terms of leap, in terms of sidestep, in terms of endurance. But he still has forward craft. Yeah. And it is a rarity in this day. Look, this, this, we'll get onto him later, but the Gold Coast Suns, they don't have anyone with forward craft. The, the, the Fremantle Dockers, they have two with forward craft. That's all. Uh, and that's Walters and Schultz. The two smallest blokes on their forward line. Forward craft is almost a dying art in this game because we recruit midfielders and ruckmen. And if the ruckmen aren't big enough to play in the ruck, we turn them into key forwards. So someone like Jack is a rarity and he draws the footy. And he knows how to win the footy. And it's, it's in the money ball terminology, he gets on to second. He gets the ball yeah. through the goals. Mm. Yep. And it's a rarity and it's invaluable. It was great. On the night he goes into the Hall of Fame years down the track, that's going to be part of his legacy now. The night he this happened to him and he came back onto the ground and kicked four goals mm. and he was stirring. That's the Richmond side of the, the equation. A nod to the Swans next and what they were able to do. This is crunch time for the Berwick Motor Group. Sail on now at Berwick Nissan and Ozito, powering DIYers all day every day at Bunnings. 
Yeah, it's not always about the goals with Tom, although it was tonight. <laughs> um, you know, his, his ability to be able to hit the scoreboard at important times was crucial, but also his ability to be able to win important one-on-ones up the ground and then get back inside 50 and outnumbered at times and then just keep his feet, uh, hit the scoreboard was outstanding. Six second half goals from Tom Papley. The Friday night wrapper is for the Stack Team app. Stay ahead of the game with your own team management app. Download Stack Team app now. Dermot Burton, how did you see the exploits of Big Pappy? Of Tommy Papley. Um, I thought he's... Kick six goals. I thought there was a, there's. Let's be honest. I thought there's a little bit of cash in at the end, and that goes to he had the I think the highest rated game so far in the season of anyone playing AFL. A lot of that rating came in the last quarter. I'm not dismissing it. He was magnificent in the other areas. When the game was hot, when Richmond kicked a few in a row in that third quarter, he went into the middle early in the last quarter. He extracted the ball out of there and he took it forward as well. I thought that was his biggest gift to Sydney on the day. The six goals on top of it is absolute trimming, but his efforts around the ball, the stoppage. I think he had how many um, contested? 12 contested possessions for a small forward who pushed into the middle on occasion. And those 12 contested were just instrumental in separating the two teams. It, it was a wonderful game of It footy. was. And the thing I loved even more, because we sometimes see Tom and we think that Tom thinks a lot of Tom, but he gave a couple of he gave three goals out on the weekend couple were or oh, sorry last night one was or two were in uh, deep in the pocket had every right to have a shot centers it back in not just centering it back in put it to the advantage yeah. of his his team cross the goal yeah, face cross the goal way. face yeah. look put it to advantage and almost certainly you know uh, they they were almost 100% goals when he did that so and he was recognized by that from his teammates and i just got this sense that that's something that, that he's probably been given feedback through over the journey, and maybe from when he first started to where he is now. And I love it when you get the payback at the other end, when you're prepared to give to your teammates, and, and he does that. He's such a, an energetic and, and sort of barometer of that team. And, and you do that early, you get yourself into the game with that, and then you get the spoils when it comes at the other end. His attitude, the way he plays, he's one of these blokes that the Richmond Premiership team would say, how dare you behave like that to us? <laughs> and he gets under their skin as well, and it riles them. Yeah, he was playing on a pretty good player earlier as well in Liam Baker. Like he's a top-line defender when he's playing in that role and was probably Richmond's best last mm. night too. Is is the Tom Papley role the most sought-after position now in the game? The, the, the forward, midfield, game-changer, goal-kicker. I think every club wants one was saying, because I pick it, play more midfield and do that yep. similar. Cody Waitman's been trialed as that. I think we'll see a little bit of that tonight. Obviously, Petrarca and Martin, these guys have done it before. He's doing what maybe the Swans wanted from Isaac Heaney, but in the end have settled on Heaney deep. I think anyone who's a star in their role, yeah. that's what the league <laughs> yeah. wants, and he is a star in that I role, think- isn't it? D- Dustin's been the, the prototype, hasn't he? he? What he did in 17 and 19 and, and that starting in the middle, just drifting forward. I think we've seen Shea Bolton sort of yeah. teeter on the edge of that. And at yeah. some stage, we thought he was going to break through and, and Petrarca, he's bigger, but he does a similar role. So every club is looking to do that. I know Adelaide here are looking at Isaac Rankin and Josh Rochelle to do similar roles. But what Papley brings and some of those other players we mentioned is they zig and they zag. And, and He's it's, got explosive. Yeah, and the agility yeah. through... The, the centre bounce has never been more important in our game with the 6-6-6. You win the centre square, it really does set you up. So if you've got some guys who have got that 
you know, that light-footedness to step out and run through the front of the stoppage. I th- you know, Port Adelaide are trying to do it with Zach Butters and Rosie does it really well now. They're the type of players you want in your team. Dylan Grimes, he, he, that one I said he got beaten in one-on-ones. There was a high ball, a long ball, an air ball that hung for three seconds in the air. And it was Papley v Grimes. Dylan Grimes hasn't lost one of them one out mm. for three years. And Papley edged him underneath the footy, fumble, gather out the back, run towards goal. Goal in shoes. It, 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 was, it was a one-on-one win. And if there's one player over the last half a decade, you'd say, I want him as a one-out defender in the back line against anybody. It's Dylan Grimes. And Papley took him to the cleaners on that, on that ball. You mentioned Isaac Heaney in there. He was in the votes last night, um, Cal. But then, and there was one stage, I think it was the third quarter, where he was really slow to rise and he was holding the back of his neck. And there's been a bit of a sequel to that. Yeah, we learned this morning that Isaac Heaney did go for scans last night on his neck. So has been cleared of major damage there, but sore out of last night. And he's now watched for next week. And it adds to a long list of injuries, doesn't it? He got scratched. A big drag of like the wrestler's claw over the back of the neck. And then a half second later, his head was down because of that contact, which he tried to roll and duck under. And a body comes past and bangs him with the chest on the side of the head and it compresses his neck. Is it Was it the scratch that did it or the, that body slam? Is it we got any bang, idea? I reckon. Yeah. yeah. You, you saw that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a bit of a nasty-looking movement. I thought at first, I said, oh, there it is. It's a big scratch on it. Yeah, <laughs> but no. And they're not sure who will come back next week. They're hopeful, of course, that Tom McCartan will be available after missing last night with concussion. I watch on Dane Rampey and his neck injury as well. It didn't sound overly positive with Lance Franklin with that knee injury. I'm sure they're going to be managing him through the year. Look look at the tools who they're missing at the moment. We know Paddy McCartan's got his decision to make, but the both McCartans, Franklin, Rampy, Hickey with a hamstring, Sam Reed's out for the long term with a hamstring, Aaron Francis hurt himself last week at VFL level, hence why they had to bring in Will Gould as a bit of a, a late call-up for for the substitute and there. Joel. And now Joel Amati as well with the hamstring. He looked, he looked terrific he at did. the start of the game, and then no sooner he was out with a hammy. And it's interesting, isn't it, with Amati and McDonald, those two young up-and-comers. We saw Buddy Franklin last week struggle to make an impact. He's now got some injury concerns. He's another one. We talked about Trent Conchard earlier in the show. I think they just have to be really careful and make sure that he's close to full fitness when he plays. If he plays, you know, like as the game catches up with you, if you're if – you, not feeling great about yourself, and it's and it's physically it's hard. Then it's you know your your impact is less than considerably right at the back end. Is managing a veteran one of the the toughest tasks in footy for the senior coach? We're seeing it everywhere now at the moment. Oh, Dyson, yeah. Dyson Heppel, <laughs> Trent Cochin. You talk about Lance Tom Franklin, Jonas Tom Port- Jonas, Rory Sloan. Well, you've got two aspects of it. You've got to manage physically, and then you've got diplomacy, which must come in over the top, and how you talk to the media about that management. Geelong are interesting the way they've done it the last couple of years. They actually copped some criticism earlier this season with uh, Tom Hawkins about playing him and he didn't look like he was moving all that well. But if you look at Geelong and the way they've been able to manage their older players, if you go back even the last decade, they make smart decisions in regards to resting them when they needed to. You know, they even changed their best and fairest voting system to accommodate that. But also what they do as well, they... They also make clever decisions at the start of the season. You know, think about how many Geelong players ended their careers elsewhere because Geelong said, no, I don't think you're right for us right at the moment. You think about James Podziadley and James Kelly and Stevie J and there's lots and lots of players who went to other clubs because they said, no, this is best 
for Geelong for us to, to promote younger so players. So I'm going to ask you one little one on the Tom Hawkins one. Knowing what you know now, and he came good against the Hawks, round mm. four, knowing what we know in, in, in the rearview mirror, would they have been better served not playing him, say, for the first two weeks? Oh, absolutely. Like, if tw- your hinds- I'm sorry, vision's twenty twenty mm. in hindsight, and then they lose those games anyway. Here's yeah. a chance to get couple of games into someone else or, or look at someone in that position. So, I thought they were respectful to a champion in those couple of games, the way they nursed him through to, to fitness. John Longmire was bursting with pride. I've, outside of finals, I've rarely seen him so happy at a press conference <laughs> than what they were able to achieve last night. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, he was over the moon about the fact this was the youngest team of the round. And six games ago they're in the grand final so that that says something about where the mm. list is at and the ability of course both same teams were, were decimated by key injuries but i think when you look at some of the opportunities that were given to Braden campbell played a good game james robottom keeps playing good footy um, debutant debutant in Corey warner and also will gould matt roberts is a youngster from south australia who's just getting his feet on the ground dylan stevens keeps performing so there's all these guys and then the fact i think one of the things where his eyes really lit up, Jared, was was his comments around Nick Blakey and, and being positioned in a role that hasn't been as normal and maybe a little bit more foreign to him to play above his size and, and have such a dominant game with 30 touches out of the defence. So yeah, it was a fantastic performance. Did anyone notice when um, Corey Warner kicked his first goal, every player on yeah. the field went there. Of course, his brother sitting on the bench <laughs> and wasn't able to do it until they made the interchange. I just uh, yeah, thought that was an interesting one. That's one half of the Friday night equation. The other half was at Norwood. We'll come through that next what did Fremantle recapture coming from behind and where does it leave the Suns a one and four start to the season this is crunch time for Azito powering DIYs all day every day at Bunnings McDelivery has arrived on the My Macca's app for a limited time grab a free medium Big Mac meal when you spend $30 or more on your first McDelivery order via the app value means more at Macca's Available for a limited time at participating restaurants. T's and C's supplies. See an app for details. Well, the hottest of hot, hot putty you've ever seen. Ring comes on steady, hot and strong. It just keeps on and on. Install the ring. 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 Ask your plumber for Ream, Australia's number one. For our great game, Aussie Rules, since 1912, the AFL record has been its most iconic publication. The cries of... Record, get your record! ...are etched into our game day ritual. We buy one on the way into the match, mark down the goal kickers, then some of us tuck it away as a keepsake. You can be part of this AFL match day experience. Job opportunities are available as an AFL record seller as well as sales supervisors. Go to aflrecord.com.au and click on careers to express your interest right now. More and more Australian families are getting the power with tyre power. And you can too during their store-wide super sale now on. Tyre Power continues to be a champion for road safety. Next road trip, make Tyre Power your first stop and find out why Tyre Power is Australia's best. During the store-wide super sale, get the equivalent of 25% off when you buy three, get one free on selected Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Each Tyre Power is 100% independent and locally owned. Find your Aussie local at tyrepower.com.au. Tired of overpaying for your mobile plan? Make the switch to Mate and experience unbeatable value. For a limited time, enjoy $1 per month for the first three months of your mobile plan. That's pocket change, mate. 
Each plan includes unlimited talk and text to standard Aussie numbers, plus a 500 gigabyte data bank. You can even keep your own mobile number. Visit letsbemates.com.au or search Mate online to sign up and start saving today. This new footy season, we all start on a level playing field. 100% ready to go. Or are we? Have you done your Signet Power Bank pre-season? Your tickets, your food, your drinks, your wallet, your Mikey. It's all linked to your phone. Through the turnstiles, at the bar, in the food line, take it to the Signet Power Bank. There's a new game day ritual this season. Keys, phone, Signet. Power every moment with a Signet Power Bank. Available at major retailers and Signet.com. Oh, I'm going to go to the toilet and grab some more beers. Pause it for me? No way, mate. We're not pausing live sport. If he kicks this, we're in front. Nah, it'll be all right. What? Oh, no! Did I miss it? Come on, mate. You've got to rewind it, please. <laughs> Not a chance, mate. You can catch it on the highlights reel. You won't miss a moment if you drink wise. Explore Karajini National Park on this new fun Go West tour. With experienced guides, you'll discover the ancient gorges and spectacular scenery. Travel on 4x4 buses into the four corners of the National Park and leave your troubles behind at camp. If you're flying into the Pilbara, you can book airport transport services to Karajini as well. We have you covered with safe, fun and memorable experiences in the Karajini National Park with Go West Tours. Visit gowesttours.com.au The Quarter Pounder. 100% Aussie beef, cheese, mustard and pickles. If you think about it long enough, you might forget you've already made dinner. Now that is a pickle. Grab a Quarter Pounder on the MyMaccas app today. Available after 10.30am. The award-winning crunch time for Azito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers all day, every day. Yeah, it stings, obviously. Felt like we had a good plan, executed majority of the night, but when we didn't, they made us pay. I think we had double the shots at halftime, yeah. 16 to 8, so well, we had a 23-point buffer, so you know, a little bit similar to the, the Essendon game. If you don't put a buffer, you, you leave the door open, and they came through it like all good teams do. So yeah, we're, we're disappointed, we're frustrated, we, we certainly feel that. You know, I think we were... Two and three at this stage last year, which got to two and five, and we dug our way out. So that's what we've got to do. Suns coach Stuart Dew. This is crunch time for Azito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Dermot Burton, you're on duty for this for good portions of the game. The Suns, they owned were well it. in control. It, chatting away as we do amongst ourselves before the game and the likes. There was just a weird feeling in me that I said, if the Suns go a 50-50 split on goal, if they kick a 10-10 as opposed to a 15-5 or a 16-4, I know it's great kicking, but they can't win if they go an even split goals points. And it ended up being that. And they it was poor misses too. They, they should have, as Stewie Jew has just enunciated, they should have put a bigger buffer on at half time. Because you knew that the Dockers were going to get their moments. They tweaked a few things at halftime. Lacocious was superb. He's a hard-running uh, link forward. They had a good system up and running. Um, 
and then behind him, maybe or Chol was basically the key forward as King stills trying to still trying to find his way back into some type of form. But maybe has awful AFL depth of fitness. He cannot run out a game in the last quarter. Stuck at centre half forward, and you knew that the long ball was coming down the line on the half forward flank, narrow ground. You can't switch it. He couldn't get the thirty metre half trot to get out there and be the competitor. They they tightened up. They gave Lacosius a huge leg rope in the first half, and he was able to accept the ball from the back line, and he was the link into the forward line. They managed shots at goal. Swallow bobbed up with three. And they put their lead on the board. It wasn't much of a lead. It should have been more. Fremantle didn't get any real system going. As I've said a little earlier, with forward craft, they really only have two players with forward craft. Uh, and that's Walters and Schultz. And they are both the small forwards. You want one key forward so he can at least draw the footy so other players know where the reference point is. They don't have that. Amos played the best game I've seen him play. But he kind of just found himself on the end of the ball. He didn't draw the footy. So well done to the boy, but he's still only a third tall forward at this point in time. The boy who, the lad who I just think is probably their most valuable player right now, well, Walters is because he is the one who makes scoring happen. Caleb Sarong's their best player. He just wins the ball. I know Brayshaw is a tremendous mm -hmm. player. I think Caleb Sarong is their best midfielder. I tell you what, he's also uh, that's personified uh, more with the fact Sean Darcy gets his hand onto the ball fifty times, and I know he was, you know, Jared Witts is not playing; he was up against a young player, but Darcy ends up with nine clearances and Sarong eight. So there's seventeen from one combination of of ruck and small uh, midfielder. Sarong was was really good against Adelaide last week, particularly in the centre square where actually Fremantle won convincingly the centre square last week. So Darcy, Sarong, Brayshaw, Brody uh, is another player and, and Yegro Mira. They they had a whole stack of clearances on the back of Darcy yesterday. So the other thing too is maybe Chol goes into the ruck and I thought they needed to ruck him more to save uh, 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 the young lad, Moyle. Ned Moyle, to save his body a little bit because he fatigued against... I mean, Darcy, they got him listed at 111. He's 121, if ever I've seen one. He is huge. <laughs> so his body mass in the ruck just took sting out of the two opposition ruckmen. And by having to play Chole in there to give Ned Moyle a, a breather, it took away from the last quarter endurance of Mabby or Chole. As I said, his, his league football endurance is subpar. So that, that hurt them in the end. But I thought they had to play him a little bit more and he had to come to the party a little bit more against Darcy. Tell us about Luke Jackson. Is he building two goals yesterday, a bit more of the ball in his hand? Yeah. Luke Jackson, to me, when I look at him, he's he's not a... They say he plays key forward. He's a ruckman who drifts forward in the old sense and goes to the drop of the ball. He doesn't really really lead out. And, and find space in a tough traffic area. He can lead away from everything to a flank and draw it that way, or he can come down and like a tall player, a ruckman drifting forward can mark over the pack. So he's, he's still learning his craft. Yeah, I didn't mind his game though. He kicked a really good one from, from outside 50 on a set shot, which 
that was that's the difference between the two teams. They took those opportunities and Suns couldn't. Well, ponder what that means for Stuart Dew, just the eternal frustration of the Suns who now find themselves at one and four and cast an eye back to Thursday night as well. As good as the Crows have looked under Matthew Nix and the Blues, uh, they got mugged. They brought a knife to a gunfight. SEN merch is now available. Get your exclusive SEN branded T-shirts and merch. Crunch time in the midst of gather round here in Adelaide. Fremantle over Gold Coast last night and then Sydney over Richmond after Adelaide started this festive round of footy with a victory over Carlton. Dermot Burton and Mark Bickley on duty. Cal Toomey and Jared Waitley with you to assess what's been and then what's coming in this Adelaide town, which is alive with footy. Just the eternal frustration of the Gold Coast Suns, Cal. So one and four. It's a... They had seasons where they'd start well and fade. They were behind the count last year and scrounged. This is not where they would have anticipated being. No, and Stuart Jew admitted that post-game. He did say that they did and were able to scrounge out of a reasonable spot last year to get competitive. But they are definitely the, the talking point of this week, I feel like. The, the jungle drums are going to start beat now for, for how the Suns handle this situation. One and four, as you mentioned, Jared and Stuart Jew particularly is going to be in the spotlight. His two-year contract was signed last July after what was a two-game losing patch at that point. Since he signed that deal, which runs through to the end of 2024, the Suns have won four from eight games. They've lost 10 of their past 14 under Stewie Jew. So this is a side that I look at with the level of talent and skill and ability that's been brought through through acquisition. And I do believe in the the list that's there. Having seen enough coming through, they are not achieving as much as they should. And the other layer to this, guys, is the scrutiny that's placed on the call to re-sign him with the backdrop of the other options that were available last year. So he signed until round 22, 2025? 24. 24. 24. But there is, yeah, a payout clause that, you know, I think we'd all imagine wouldn't be the the full tenure of that. No. So this, as an AFL subsidiary club, that'll be that formulaic six-month payout. That's right. And that gives options, but it also leaves them with the question of, of the, the, the options that were there last time. And, and Alistair Clarkson's done wonders already at North Melbourne. Brad Scott has the Bombers 3-1. and one. Ross Lyon has St Kilda, top of the ladder. So that's going to be the backdrop to this discussion around his future. Yeah, I think it's easy to, to make those comparisons afterwards, but I think one of the things that the Gold Coast Suns have been screaming out for is stability. So I think they made the right call. They had to back him in. Now, whether it ends up being the right call going forward in terms of performance, the one thing they have been able to do and needed to do desperately was was stem the bleeding and the drain of talent. Now, it looks like they've built something there where the young players, you know, they've retained Lacocious and, and uh, yeah, Anderson, Anderson and Rao. Yeah. And, and, and I f- you get this sense there is a lot of people that want to be there now. That, that, that's the first thing. And they were hoping on the back of that, the performance will come. I hope it does too. But I did lose Rankin. And, and he's probably the most talented of all of them. But, but I look at it slightly differently. I, I think Rankin is look. He's going to be a great player, and he's a, he's exactly what Adelaide needed. But he's not Tom Lynch or Stephen May or Jared Witts or, or or someone who is a really difficult player to replace. I think they've yeah. got a lot of talented. So you're saying smaller. he's not a structural player. Yeah, exactly. He's a he's a draw card, but not structural. Yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it. And and they would have been desperately disappointed. 
that they did lose him. But I still feel like they are creating a nucleus of a group of players that want to be there. And King's another one who's staying. We hope that he can come back and get his knee right and his confidence back and he can be a, a real focal point for them. But it just, it's got to happen on the field, doesn't it, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately? Our colleague David King is very critical of the amount of workload they put into their top three in the centre square and is convinced that they, and it, it, had, it came again last night, that they can't run out games because of that massive workload that they put into them. Fiorini had more centre bounce attendances last night. But when you look at Raul, Noah Anderson Took and Tuke Miller, Miller mm. they have their centre bounce attendances and then it falls down by about 70% against their gradings as to who attends next. And he's convinced that that's... So they need to find... And I agree with that. They need to find blokes who can flip through there for four or five a game, almost like a Luke Bruce type, you know, from four or five years ago. You just flip a couple through there to add something different, get a different look, because you can plan against that midfield. Yeah, the other thing you have to have is the, the flexibility. So Noah Anderson can has to be able to play another position, which he can probably comfortably. We know Took Miller could probably rest somewhere, whether it's across half-back or could play forward, but you probably wouldn't put him there. But but Rao's the one. I'm not sure. Where would Rao go if he doesn't play in the centre square? And I think that's one of the things. There's a few of those blokes in history, like a Terry Wallace. Mm. What a star. What a champion. But once he couldn't play in the midfield, once the game started running away from him, there was no natural go-to position like you for you you could go down back and you could mine somebody yeah. and do a, a job with a greater plum but some of these players and Raul has to find a secondary bit part to his to his, his to his weapon yeah. and, that, and that's where Adelaide have transformed a little bit Matt Crouch Rory Laird and Ben Keys were in the midfield just about all of last year but they're all similar they, they're all blue collar and so they uh, they said, well, we can't do that anymore. We've got to add some some new, um, you know, some different weapons into there. So they've done that. And Dawson's been the really important one. We'll talk about him. So but, you can kick it. But Laird is is the model that's better than Matt Crouch. So Matt Crouch is an all-Australian midfielder at 27 years of age getting 40 possessions a week in the Sandfall at the moment because he just doesn't have the ability to go anywhere else. That's another. That's a, that's actually a full segment. Mm. Could he play league footy again? It won't be at the Crows. No, it's it's the Tom Mitchell scenario where every team can have can afford to have one, and most teams have one, and I don't think that uh, there's too many that were all that interested around uh, the trade period last year. So just come back to the Jew yep. scenario. Since so, as Cal says, since essentially they made the decision that they want him to be successful desperately, mm. and since they made that, I decision, think the football world does. He's, yeah. a, he's an A grade. They've lost ten out yep. of fourteen since essentially they made that decision. Is do, you, do we still hold the belief that he is going to be the coach to make the breakthrough with it's the It's rectifiable Suns? because Ballard's a very good player. Sam Collins is a very good player. Are they going to go down as as uh, all-time greats? Probably not, but they are going to be tremendous key defenders for the next half era, four or five years. Then you go to the midfield. You've got that core sorted out. They have to, as David King points out, they have to get more to flip through there. The four and, and yeah, fair enough, I, I tend to study the forward line more. There is no great connection between the midfield and the forwards. You can't look up as a midfielder 
and, and 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 I'm thinking out loud here is the way I, I could get the ball and I'd swing onto a, my natural foot, and I knew that ahead of me, admittedly, he was a bloody genius, Dunstall, as a full forward, he'd read which way I'd turn and I knew in my viewfinder he would be there and I'd kick it out in front and that was our our shtick. That's how we got through. There is no synergy between any forward and a midfielder in the Suns like that. King has the ability to do it, but he cannot find his way through it at the moment. Anything... King earns at the moment is purely talent driven. There's no there's no footy IQ that's winning him the ball. He's not he's not running anyone out of a position and then getting an easy footy. It's all talent driven outstretch, outmark. And I think he was three or four possessions last night. I'll have a look down. Four possessions. That's you you can sort of work your way into say another five or six cheap possessions as a forward, but it gives you game. It gives you a game. At the moment, his game he doesn't have a game, and his hands are poor because of it. Because he thinks this is the one opportunity, and he puts pressure on himself, and and the results are there for possessions. So there is no great synergy between their forwards and the blokes delivering it. I think it's easy to start to run comparison pieces now, Cal, and, and if, if Gold Coast are the prevailing conversation of the week and it's still to be determined how the rest of the round runs out, is Adelaide's progression? I think so. This is year four. They look like a team capable of a winning season. Now, that's not to say they will, mm. but they look like a team capable of a 12-win yeah. season. And then St Kilda, who made a really callous decision, like a cruel and callous decision, but they brought in a coach who knew what he was doing from day one. And I think those two comparison pieces around, the Suns are a long way behind. They committed themselves to the, the next build, but at some point they're going to have to make the measure. Are we, are we still meeting now, markers here? Well, everyone probably looked at 2019 as the, the start of this next group, didn't they, with the, the Rail and Anderson draft, that, that concession package that was handed to the, uh, from the AFL as the, the next period. Stuart Jew at that point had, had a couple of years in charge, but this was his group at that point. And... It hasn't come through. And I, I look at St Kilda, you compare lists, and I think St Kilda would even put their hand up at the start of this year and say, this is a group, our own group, that we want to see how they go because we want some more A-graders. They've got A-grade potential everywhere on the Gold Coast list, but at the moment it's not coming through. And just further to the point around being overrun, the, the numbers show that they've kicked 26 goals in second halves this year and, and conceded 40. So they're basically losing second halves by 20 points yeah, each week. And this is a group that I've, I've spent time up at the Suns and they pride themselves on their hard running and fitness work and, and you know, aerobic capacity. Mm. But further to your point, Derm, it's it's probably a little bit about system too. Mm. Yeah, if the ball goes in the foot, I, I hate the fact that people say, oh, we can't defend properly. You defend, you can actually defend if your forwards actually hold the ball in. If the forwards mark the ball, your back line takes a, a, a sigh of relief. And they just can't win the ball forward. When, when you compare St Kilda right now and and the uh, the Gold Coast Suns right now, there's one word that I think is the difference. It's grit. Like St Kilda, look like they're playing for their life at the moment. I don't think I've ever, well, in more recent times, described the Suns as playing for their life. You know, and and I don't know whether it's uh, I don't know how you put your finger on it, but that that you know the second half, if you're fit and teams come at you and they go past you like that happened on the weekend. What is there? Where's the fight? What, what does it look like? And, and I just don't know if they've had enough 
experience and, and uh, opportunities where they've done that to be able to hold that up. Now, the game against Geelong, you know, they were challenged at different stages and went away from it. So that's, a, that's something they can draw upon, but that's got to become the norm as opposed to the exception. Yeah, Bix. and the false dawn of that, isn't it? And then to back it up and be thrashed by St Kilda last week and, again, be overrun last night. We make so much of game styles, ploys, tactics, and, they, mm. and that's valid. What we sometimes forget in this modern era is the emotional reach of the coach to motivate his players to give to that unconditional 100% effort at every moment they are involved on field. That's the way coaches emotionally reach their players. Ross Lyon knows that. So he walks in, and from the moment he walks into that club, re-walks into that <laughs> club, he knows exactly how he wants the first training run to perform he knows how he wants every player to perform in match practice and you don't get a look in at the top echelon unless you commit to that 100% of the time you are involved in that in that team and he knows that straight off one of the other issues with the Suns they've got blokes like Nick Holman who are that type 100% commitment emotional endeavor Mm. is through the roof but unfortunately, they've got blokes down the other end too who aren't unconditional. And that can work its way into a team and really hurt you in the way the team performs. So one of the comparison pieces is the Crows. Is that the best Adelaide's looked in the Matthew Nix era, Mark Bickley? Well, uh, they, they've had uh, flirtations with it. They beat Melbourne in their premiership year by a couple of points. They beat Geelong in round one two years ago. Geelong went on to make the grand final. But... In terms of being on an upward trajectory, there was expectation that won two in a row. They were coming up against a good side. There was Thursday night footy. All that that went with it and to be able to perform when that is put on you, I, I think that was outstanding. And um, I've been really surprised by Adelaide. I, I thought at the end of last year, there's still there was still a big question mark over a number of their personnel, but they've, they've made absolute um, solid, solid progress over the break. And... They've made some adjustments as well with Dawson going from half back to the middle. That's been really important. They did that after losing the first two games. That's their major. That's their major tweak. That's giving them impetus, isn't it? Because for, for, for the last half a year, they have not been able to retain the ball forward of centre because the kick is good enough. Exactly, and and I mentioned that a little earlier on in terms of they've had Sam Berry, Matt Crouch, Rory Laird. Yeah, they're all absolute blue collar. Get their you know, dirt under the fingernails, but they just haven't been able to finish off. And uh, a bit to the point we talked about with Richmond earlier with Taranto and Hopper not being able to really hurt the opposition. They've just reshaped that um, after the first two rounds, they started off. So they made a decision. We can't play Sloan, Crouch, uh, Keys in the midfield with Laird. So we, we're going to put it, some of our kids in there. So they put Rochelle and Schomburg and Berry. They had Rankin sliding through there. But in the first two rounds... Just one experienced player and two of those other inexperienced players, they got absolutely smashed out of the middle. And Richmond really touched them up out of the middle, kicked four or five goals from centre bounce, and that was pretty much the game. They made a slight tweak in round three where they brought Dawson in. And every centre bounce since then, they've had two experienced players, whether it be Dawson and Laird or Laird and Sloan or Dawson and Keys, and only one younger player. So, so, so you're saying they balance it? Just each, balance, yeah, yeah. Every, every time. And so they haven't overexposed those young blokes and it's paid amazing dividends and Dawson you know when he came from Sydney uh, it was a that was a pretty quiet trade period and he was the headline act and I thought well 
uh, look, how, how I think he's a really solid player, but he played 80 games or maybe 75 games. But he has been so amazing for the footy club in terms of comes to the club, uh, 12 months later he's appointed as the captain, then goes into the midfield, plays on Paddy Cripps on the weekend uh, and, and has, a, you know, in my eyes, he was the best player on the ground. His, his delivery inside forward 50 Agreed. is exceptional. Has been great for the last 18 months at Adelaide, you know, running off half-back time and space. But on the weekend, it was under pressure and it was running out of the centre square. So he's been an absolute bonus. And um, and also Isaac Rankin, who has been in his time at Gold Coast up and down. And you wouldn't really, you know, want to be relying on him to be uh, the player every week. And he's flashed in and out. But, you know, watching him train this year, Darren Burgess has played a really important role for Adelaide, the, the work ethic that they have. He's trained really hard. He's in really good shape. And he now can stay in games a lot longer. Has Fogarty arrived? I think Fogarty arrived in the last 11 games of last year. He kicked 33 goals in 11 games. So you average three goals a game. That's that's a pretty solid year, isn't it? This year, 23 rounds, that's 70 goals in a year. Mm. So that wins you the Coleman just about. So the question mark was, could he, could he reproduce that again? A bit more attention... Uh, and he's been able to do it so and far. And they brought him straight back in, didn't they? They they didn't muck around and say, oh, "Bide your time, show us another one at the lower level." Well, it was a, it was a smart move because they played. They had a they played on Gallant, the they dropped for him. Yeah, and they, and they played the Saturday night before. So Saturday the Thursday was a short break. So he probably could have played the week before, but they thought, well, if he plays on the Saturday, he's not going to come up for the Thursday. So they held him back. Having the confidence in the players that were that were in the team to be able to beat Fremantle, they got the job done against Fremantle. He comes back in fresh and and kick five goals, and uh, they now have some genuine options. Taylor Walker's still playing good footy, kicking let him down a little bit on the weekend. I think he kicked three three uh, on Thursday night, I should say. So he's still playing good footy. Phil Thorpe, we've seen what he's capable of. He's still a work in progress. He's still uh, working on his contested marking, but he's got a lot of upside. And then you've got Rochelle. And Rankin, so two really genuine sort of footy smart small forwards that you've talked about, Derm. And this has been the long rebuild that the AFL is probably not fond of, isn't it? Probably made the decision at the end of 2018 that this group isn't going to be the one that takes us forward. Made some pretty severe cuts and moved on experienced players to go through the depths of it. But I think what you've spoken about there, Mark, it's the two years that can change the complexion of a, of a rebuild. When you bring in Dawson, Rochelle, in one year, Saligo as well to yeah, some degree. He's a great but then Dawson, um, you, you throw in uh, Max Michelini as well, uh, and Isaac Rankin. There's five players over two years that have made a genuine impact, and then you become more of a destination club well, in itself because Mike, you know they've had, a, they've had a crack at Will Day already this year. Mm-hmm. They'll have a go at Mason Redmond. The South Australian competition for players now is is pretty equal. Michelini's been the one you just can't budget for. Well, he's a, a kid that couldn't get a game in the Sandfall last year. He got dropped for the grand final at Norwood. So in the space of six months, he's gone from not being able to get a game in a Sandfall team to be playing great footy. And he's just, he reminds me so much of Ben Hart. When Ben Hart arrived, he's a skinny, ungamely looking kid. And within three months, he was playing on Tony Lockett and Jason Dunstall. Just whatever the the, 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 the challenge. And now he's a skinny older bloke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wherever yeah. the challenge came, he just was able to find a way. So they couldn't have possibly budgeted for him to be playing every game so far. And the other two that are a little bit unheralded, Jordan Butts was a, was a rookie listed elevation and also Nick Murray. Nick Murray was playing in country Victoria straight into the AFL and 28 games later. He was almost picked size and shape, wasn't he? And, mm. and, and has come good. He's, but he's been really good so far this year. Cal, I want to ask you, you mentioned something. This is the build that the AFL don't like. How resentful are clubs against the AFL 
against the the desire of AFL clubs to not bottom out, to top up with, you know, the high draft picks and take their time. What Hawthorne are doing, what North Melbourne have done, how resentful are they of that? I'm not sure if resentful's the word. Or, they're cautious about undertaking it, though, because you know the pain that's ahead and there's going to be fixturing implications yeah, of that. it ruins games. Yeah, and, and the, the, that's right. The round and broadcasters probably don't like the unevenness of it. So Hawthorne but, would but, argue against that and say, well, we did it once and we've won three premiership, four premierships since. Nah, we did um, it in the 2000s. I don't agree with that. So when they went to the draft and they got – and they, they bottomed out, not by their own desire, and then they say a total cull, and I was on the board at that stage, and then they decided they got the draft rough-head – Franklin, Lewis, Lewis, and then they kept bottoming out, and then they got a couple of more high draft picks. I think they used them on Bo Dowler and Mitch Thorpe, but then they also got Birchall, Rioli. For three years, they went for draft choices, and that was the core of the team that won them four premierships. There's a differentiation between going deep into a draft and the raised earth shooting all Mm. of your senior players off. So that's what Melbourne did. And that's what Carlton did, and that's what Hawthorne's done now. So I don't think Adelaide have done that. It, that the equivalent would have been they had shuttled off Sloan and Walker, yeah. and so they kept a smattering of senior players to make sure it didn't get completely out of hand. So, so they they went really hard early. So it was Betts and Jenkins and yep. a lot of those guys. Then the next year it was Talia and uh, Tom Lynch, and so they've sort of gradually staggered it. But so the, the AFL's not saying don't grow through the draft. They're saying don't present uncompetitive for three years. Mm. That that's what. Mm. And I think so. Adelaide's rebuild. If they do have a winning season in year four, you go. That's okay. Four years is okay. But if you're still not competitive in year five and still fumbling around, mm. that that's no good for the comp. The scorched earth policy falls over if you get three picks wrong, <laughs> because if you go there and the number one, you know, let's let's use um, Hawthorne because they they fluffed a couple in there. But if they, you know, a lot of so much of it was on the back of the greatest ever goal kicker or a thousand goal goal kicker on Buddy, and also grabbing Sam Mitchell at, at pick forty helps as well. You know, thirty six, like, thirty six, <laughs> yeah. You know, so when around that mark, and then they end up with, I think Hodge when they drafted, tra- uh, traded Trent Crowe. So you do need an element of luck in there. And, and to Melbourne's point, they went with Tom Scully and Jack Trengove, and you go one two with those two picks, and if they don't quite work out on the back of Jack Watts not quite working out on the back of I think there was a couple of others. Mitch, um, someone who escaped. Thought, Jimmy. Sorry? Mitch Thorpe. Mitch, uh, yeah, it was another. Jimmy Tumpus, he went very yeah, high Jimmy Tumpus was picked for yeah. as well. So, so you get a few of them wrong, and guess what? You Then you go up a little bit, but then you come back down again. And I think Carlton probably suffered from that as well. Let's do Carlton. Yep. Jarring or excusable? Jarred. Jarred. Excusable. Yeah, yeah really? Yep. Because they got blown away they did. and they didn't have the gear to actually – we had this conversation, yeah. David King and I, and there's there's a time when you can go, lock, just lock on, yep. just shut this down so three in a row don't turn into four in a row, but eight in a quarter, yep. and that's the game. Mm. So Carlton thought they were playing round five and Adelaide knew they were playing a once-in-a-generation night. And that was the difference. You can't went, well, what the hell went on here? We didn't know it was preliminary <laughs> final night. I thought it was round five. <laughs> and it was over. So That's one of your best analogies <laughs> ever. <laughs> I think there are issues within Carlton's game 
but I'm not overreacting to that one. I reckon that is a special one-off mugging. I think the interesting thing for me was (laughs) a lot of the things that worked when Adelaide beat Carlton last year worked again. Ben Key's on Adam Sart. I just wonder, why has anyone else picked up on that? No one went to school on that last year. They just re- Adelaide just came in and said, well, it worked for us last year. We're going to wheel out exactly the same thing again. Don't let Saad run off across halfback. The only thing they did better this time was they actually had a plan with Patrick Cripps. The last two times they've played against Carlton, Cripps has got three Brownlow votes. So they put a big body against him, which was Dawson, who then worked the other way and was devastating with some of his bull use. So they've got a nice little formula. In the worlds of ifs, though, if they don't kick straight, that game's on for young and old. They kick beautifully in the first quarter, Mm. whereas in in times gone by, the last half era, what do they were, 8-2 at quarter time? They'd have been 3-5 in two years ago Mm. from that type of forward entry. So... Yeah, your they look, forwards do the job. Carlton yeah. look very predictable. That that would be my one uh, issue, and that's not on one night. Where? That's through five, the, the way they move the ball forward. Okay, because so they're I hard thought to every, stop Harry and Charlie. Because every time it went there, I looked at Butzer and Murray, and I think, yeah, there mm. have been fines for them, but they're not making all Australian teams. No. And I thought they're going to score. These two are going to produce a scoring disposal. Every time the ball goes to them. And every time the ball is going to them. Yes. And I thought and I thought if they get parity, if they get equal supply going their way, they'll just win it, these two. And it looked like they could have, but they just kept the ball kept going the other way. <laughs> Crunch time at Gather Rounds. We'll do the big picture. Will it be in here in Adelaide next year? There's a queue north for it as now New South Wales, who are pretty hot on it anyway. They know the value of it in Queensland, saying, hey, we can do it better than anyone. As you've got to take it off the incumbent, though, and the incumbent holds it jealously here in Adelaide. More of Crunch Time next. This is crunch time. Gather round here in South Australia. Mount Barker is about to take centre stage in the Adelaide Hills. So a, a footy grounds constructed out of a paddock. It's going to be quite beautiful, one suspects. And what's happening outside the fence will be equally as intriguing as what happens inside by the sounds of things locally. The front page of the Adelaide Advertiser today declares four more years. The South Australian Premier is channeling his best US president. He wants gather round for the next four. There's a very clear sentiment running through the public commentary of the AFL to at least give them next year. Cal Toomey, how are we reading all of this? I'm reading it like you are, Jerry. There's an excitement that this should remain here at least in the next 12 months. But uh, Gil McLaughlin started his Friday speaking about it being almost locked in for next year. By the end of Friday, it had become more of a bidding war and open to uh, offers from other states. But you'd have to say that the the capacity to sell out nearly 200,000 tickets, um, to get 40,000 to the game last night in, in a neutral crowd um, was phenomenal. The, the biggest crowd those teams have played outside of Victoria to sell out uh, Norwood last night and the atmosphere that's been generated around the city. Look, the Premier, Peter Milanaskis, has done a fantastic job of promoting this event and getting it to his state, but uh, I can't see it moving for, for next year. And that's certainly mm. the feel of clubs as well. Club chief executives met on Friday and it was raised, I think, that the sentiment was pretty strong that this has been a really well-run um, event so far and the proximity in terms of the city and, and games has been a, a real 
key part of that. They've done everything right in this city. And where I'd put the but in the next statement is the third, equal third, maybe fourth biggest television viewing audience is south of Sydney. And the AFL have a desire to win that audience. So there are certain factions within power brokers and the likes at TV land and also at AFL who would say the game to grow further and encroach and eat into other areas of where the NRL own, if we can win it with something like this and take on NRL's magic round, they are looking, there's a there's quite an undertone of those types of people who want this, this round to go to Sydney. So the New South Wales government was the first suitor for it and incredibly enthusiastic, I think. Yep. And that would have done just fine until the Malinowskis campaign just lay siege to everybody and there was a recognition of going, oh, this is what Adelaide does so well. So I could see... So Queensland is so natural for it in June, July, except the Gabba's getting flattened in a couple of years. So there's no point taking it there while the Gabba's under reconstruction, which I think is going to be 2025, 6, 7 and 8. Yeah, and there's still uncertainty where Brisbane will actually play its games through that period. you can't take everybody up there without your main stadium. I'm sure it will go to Sydney at some point. I can see a scenario in the medium term. I reckon three of every four gather rounds will be in Adelaide. And then there'll be the one-off, let's go and take it to New South Wales. I don't think it'll be next. So there's still so much more capacity in this concept once they've learnt what they learn. The idea of a game in the Barossa where I think the council's already committed its money. Yes, yeah, and, and expanding the oval. Yeah. Yep. And then the the lure for local grounds like Norwood is, yeah, if your government, if your state, if your council tips in a couple of million dollars to redevelop the ground, you'll get a game in 2027. Like that's a the that's legacy a right throughout mm. South Australia, for instance, where it is so accessible. So, I do think it will go elsewhere, and I, I agree with you, New South Wales. It's interesting to plot out the where and the how mm. of that, but I think its natural home will be South Australia. I think the benefit, and you mentioned it, Cal, is around the size of the city as well. And it's a bit like when we had the Grand Prix, and I heard the, the Premier Peter Malinowskis relate back to it, it takes over the city. Now, the first couple of years uh, that Melbourne had the Grand Prix, it can get a little bit lost because it's a little bit of a pimple on the bum of, uh, you know, a big city. It's a it's a world city, Melbourne now. So, so and I think they've, they've, they've got better and better at it. And I'm with you, Jared, in terms of, refine it, find out all the things that work, the things that don't work. How do we make sure that, you know, one of the beauties of this is, is you, if you're a member, the game's free to go to. So how do we make sure that we get more, everyone turns up. Like last night's a sellout in a 53,000 stadium and 42,000 people turn up. Where are the other 10? How do we make sure that every, every stadium is packed? And I think that's the, what Adelaide offers as opposed to somewhere in Sydney. And you don't want to be playing a game in front of 3,000 people when so many people have the eyeballs of, the footy world are watching. So that's the thing. That Refine it, find the way that it works best, and then just export that to the other places. And Perth has a difficulty, doesn't it, for, for Melbourne fans? The getting tyranny there. of distance. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, and you guys would have found it more than I, but walking through the streets, the amount of groups who are here, either school holiday families from, from Melbourne and Victoria have made the trip, the, the ability to drive as well. Mm. And you can do that in Sydney, but that's certainly at least a, a factor that would have to come into the thinking. Well, the thing with Adelaide, the, the township, the city, the CBD of Adelaide, it's gridded out. 
and everyone's locked in here. The hotels are in here. So you've almost – the only thing they don't have is cage wire running around <laughs> the outside the of this main CBD block. <laughs> Whereas in Sydney, it's just it, – it is disjointed. You won't have that same vibe feeling. And you know that there's going to be a fight back from the NRL in terms of advertising. But make no mistake, the AFL will, will look for – Benefit of dollars along the line there. Yeah. Benefit of eyes watching TV sets as well. So it will be eagerly contested. I think it will go to Perth once at some point with a lot of future planning. So a couple of years in advance to say to the whole football community, all right, we are, we're doing this. So you've got a long time to figure it out. Let the airlines get sorted out. Yep. <laughs> and um, plan. So you'll need a much longer term trip. The beauty of Adelaide is you can come from Perth. You can come from Melbourne. You can come from Sydney. There's a lot of Swans su mm. supporters here. Yeah. And the tyranny of distance over to the West will need a major plan, I think. I The other element, I so I would build the Village Green at Adelaide Oval that's there for the Test match. I'd erect that for this week. Why not? Next year. Um and I also think there's 60,000 footy fans in Melbourne going, having FOMO, going, oh, we should have gone. We're, <laughs> sure. we're gone next year. It's just, to, I mean, we, we do have to sell that to the, our listening audience back in Melbourne. We aren't overblowing this. It is a vibe that exists very seldom. It's a carnival of football here at the moment, and it's just... It really is wonderful to be a part of. It's a grand final nine times over in terms of the game and the matches being played. And walking through Norwood last night, there's an argument to say next year they close off all the roads and make it a whole festival of Norwood. And the parade sweeps up everyone on the way through to the game. And that can be played out around Adelaide. Glenelg's the same. Glenelg's, you know, Norwood just picked up and put next to the beach and, and that'll sort of embrace it just as much as... It's a beautiful uh, little town, uh, Glenelg, isn't it? It is. I love it. Yeah. I live just up the road. It's nice. Don't could they? You can stay at my house next year. You won't be able to get a hotel room, I'm could, sure. Could that ground? Could that ground have the same uniqueness of that, of that beautiful closed-in little? It, it certainly. Like, it doesn't quite have the stand capacity, and it also doesn't have the. Like Norwood, I think they spent eight million dollars in the last two years developing the the change rooms and getting it all up to speed. Glenelg haven't quite done that. They don't quite have the capacity. But what you will get is exactly what you talked about on the outer. You have shoulder to shoulder, you end up with probably 12,000 people on top of the oval. It is um, having, you know, there's a lot of people that are old enough to remember the great games of the Sandville before uh, the AFL, uh, the Crows were formed. That was what, when there was a traditional rival, Port Adelaide playing Glenelg, it was shoulder to shoulder yeah. and ten or 12,000 people watching a game of footy. So, Kerners when he was a yeah, young man. Yeah, and, Sticks yeah. Kernahan and, and Tony Hall and, and all those great players, probably seven or eight players out of that team that went on to play AFL footy. Tony McGuinness, Chris McDermott, yeah, amongst others. What do we think it'll be like at the Adelaide Hills uh, in the next hour? Well, it's interesting because I think North Melbourne are going to get a lot of support because they're playing in Mount Barker and the Mount Barker team is called the Mount Barker Ruse. So there'll be plenty of blue and white there. Uh, it'll be it'll be chilly. It's uh, you know right in the middle of the Adelaide Hills, which is uh, pretty chilly this time of year. But you know, country people, it's 40, 40 minutes up the freeway. It's uh, it's Adelaide's biggest satellite uh, city. They're expecting, or well, there's, it'll be around 50,000 people live in Mount Barker pretty soon. So they'll get enormous support. It's a, the oval surface will be fantastic. That's brand new and been under the, the close eye of the AFL. So that'll be no problems. It'll 
everything else is pretty much temporary, I reckon. So it'll have that great yeah. carnival uh, sort of country feel about it. There's a lot of business being done in this town this week, Cal. All presidents, chief executives, the commissions here. I think Koshi took the commission out to Port Adelaide yesterday to have a look at the redevelopment that's happening at Alberton. Um, what, what have you been able to glean? Recruiters and list managers are all here as well because the AFL Academy is actually playing its game against Port Adelaide sample site after the North Melbourne and Brisbane mm. game. So 30 of the, the best talented kids in the draft for this year's group playing out there, but the CEO conference is on Friday, and that was an interesting one to see what snuck out of that, because there are some big talking points that are playing on at the moment. The CBA collective bargaining agreement going to be a sticking point for some time. That was the message coming out of uh, that meeting. Clubs weren't given too much detail on where that sits, other than the expectation is that it's going to be drawn out, still some way apart, and only really in the early stages of negotiating, even though it has been delayed, delayed, delayed. Um, So the starting positions are just on the table at the moment. Tasmania update was pretty short in that meeting yesterday. There is a growing confidence, though, that clubs are on the same page. Clearly, it'll get to the point where the clubs have to make their submissions and and have their their standpoints, but the federal budget is looming as not only the big talking point on the Tasmanian front, but also the big talking point on the Gil McLaughlin front and his seat being vacated after a year of uh, the farewell tour. The last week of April... I think if you close your eyes, you can see a press conference with the Prime Minister and the AFL Chief Executive sitting side by side, forecasting what's coming the following week in the budget. Yeah, there was that and also a game development update with clubs too throughout that meeting and and looking ahead as well on the referendum on The Voice, which we know is going to be a big talking point um, in the country in coming months. All right, an eye towards Saturday footy in a moment. You each have to pick a a certainty. You've got to nail your flag to the mast, which has been done with mixed success, I think it's fair to say. It's not like we hold it against you if you get it wrong. (laughs) We encourage you to be adventurous for our amusement (laughs) along the way. Uh, That's coming up next on Crunch Time. helping Australian families now and into the future. So look for the trusted green and gold kangaroo logo. Buy Australian now. Visit australianmade.com.au Ah, oh, I'm going to go to the toilet and grab some more beers. Pause it for me? No way, mate. We're not pausing live sport. If he kicks this, we're in front. Nah, it'll be all right. What? Oh, no! Did I miss it? Come on, mate. you got to rewind it, please. <laughs> Not a chance, mate. You can catch it on the highlights reel. You won't miss a moment if you drink wise. When you need a bus, call the number one people movers. Go West. Go West are your solution for shutdowns and operations that require getting personnel into and out of remote locations. Go West have hire buses as well as charters to suit your needs and safety is our primary focus. Proven by more than 20 years of faultless service throughout WA. With bus depots in Caratha, Tom Price, Newman and Port Hedland, Go West can guarantee you continuity of service. Call Go West today. You'll find us online. 
In the footy, we hear often in commentary, this is a big five minutes coming up. Well, at Tyre Power, your five minutes is here. Drive in for their free five-minute tyre safety check. They'll check your tyre balance, tyre tread and air pressure. The safety of you and your family on the roads is not a game. So go visit your Aussie-owned local independent tyre power dealer today. Nice, Dwayne. Get four for the price of three on selected Toyo tyres during the Big Easter sale on now at Tyre Power. Looking for a pocket change mobile plan? Then make the switch to Mate. And take advantage of Mate's unbeatable mobile offer where you pay $1 per month for the first three months. That's right, $1 per month for three months. Each plan includes unlimited talk and text to standard Aussie numbers plus 500 gigabyte data bank. And best of all, you can keep your own number. To sign up, visit letsbemates.com.au or search Mate online. Plumber for Ream, Australia's number one. Signet is ready for this round of footy. The optimism for your team's prospects. The excitement of game day. The march through the turnstile. The team colours littered through the stadiums. Are all ruined when you see your mobile in the red zone of battery life. So come on, don't be caught out this season. Get yourself a Signet power bank and make Signet part of your game day ritual. Power every moment with a Signet power bank. Available at major retailers and signet.com. The Quarter Pounder. 100% Aussie beef, cheese, mustard and pickles. If you think about it long enough, you might forget you've already made dinner. Now that is a pickle. Grab a Quarter Pounder on the MyMaccas app today. Available after 10.30am. The award-winning crunch time for Azito Power Tools. German design quality and innovation powering DIYers all day, every day. We'll set you up for Saturday, the footy that is to come. Three games, the first in the Adelaide Hills and then a doubleheader at Adelaide Oval. There's going to be images that emerge from Mount Barker, Kaltumi, and the first of those is two old colleagues coaching against each other again. Yeah, that's right. Successful partnership at Hawthorne, wasn't it, between Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson. We've just seen footage uh, live from the game of Clarko going and giving Fagan a big bear hug as well. And they know they're going through a different situation at the moment given the investigation around the Hawthorne situation. But, yeah, big bear hug and slightly different scenes to what we didn't see down at uh, Tasmania a few weeks ago between Alistair Clarkson and his protege, Sam Mitchell. All right, we'll delve into the footy shortly. It's time to say hey to the social bet with Dabble. Josh Jeans has joined us for a banter and a bet. Go on, have a Dabble. What are you really gambling with? Thanks, Jared. Yes, plenty happening on the Dabble app. Last night's live stream with Dane Swan was an absolute ripper ahead of the NBA playoffs. Another one on today for the racing stream. And uh, he's sure you've been busy in the banter channels this week. Yeah, I have. I threw it out there to the, the people on Dabble um, about Gather Round. I think next year, because obviously the AFL have copied the NRL and their magic round, when the NRL go to Queensland for the magic round, I think the AFL take the gather round to Sydney and just flood the Sydney market, which is dominated 
by NRL with AFL games. So try and steal a few fans up in the in New South Wales, you reckon? I think it's I think it's a sensational idea because I came up with it. But <laughs> um, why not? Why not go to a town that is not known for AFL? It's not dominated mm. by AFL and put New South Wales on show for AFL. See, I, I, I don't mind the idea of doing it the same week as the NRL, but I just think towns like Adelaide, I call it a town because it's not that big. But Vill- you know, village. Yeah, you know, villages like Adelaide and maybe Perth might be better because they are desperate to see more action as opposed to just their two sides. Yeah, oh, I get that, Josh. You're going to get sellouts in SA and you're going to get sellouts in WA, but if we're expanding the game, which is what we want to do, yep. to Sydney, to Western Sydney, there's a lot of people in Western Sydney. So if you put nine games and you have three or four of those games that weekend out in Western Sydney, I think we'll get some more supporters and we'll get more fans. That's what we want. Do you know what? It's hard to argue against you on this one. I think you finally you've had a good idea and you've done well. But let's check out our multis for this week. And uh, today I've got a goal scorer's multi for across the games. Charlie Cameron is going to kick over two against the Kangaroos. Ben Brown, he'll kick a couple as well against Essendon. And I think... Hugo uh, Hagen has been pretty good in pretty good form recently. I think he's going to get two as well. Yeah, well, the Port versus Bulldogs game, which Hugo Hagen will be involved in, I've got Bont anytime goal scorer, um, Jason Horn Francis, 20 plus possessions, and Port Adelaide to win. You'll get $6.25 there. Well, you can follow that bet by following the Crunch Time AFL team. Just uh, download the Dabble app and you can copy that with one click. Back to you, Jared. See trending bets from profiles like Heath Shaw, Dane Swan, The Bev Show and plenty of others. Get following Crunch Time and have a dabble. Go on, have a dabble. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblingonline.org.au. We're 21 minutes away from the opening siren of Saturday footy, the Brisbane Lions and North Melbourne, which is then followed by Essendon and Melbourne. And that leads the way probably into the most anticipated match of the game, Port Adelaide and the Western Bulldogs. There's been immense pressure surrounding both of them already. They are two and two. So Port have the advantage of they get the bonus home game, as it were. The Bulldogs should be well aware of the Carlton experience. Don't fall in to the heightened atmosphere. Bix, how are you seeing tonight? Yeah, look, I think this, and we'll move into this a bit later on, I think this is a good one for Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide are an interesting one because it got really turned up the heat on Ken Hinckley after they lost the showdown. But what we're seeing now is Adelaide are a pretty good team. Port Adelaide were in that game and ended up being 18 goals to 13. But Port Adelaide hit the front at the 12-minute mark of the last quarter with a Sam Powell Pepper snap. But then Adelaide ran away with it. If you look at their form, Port Adelaide, they lost to Collingwood at the MCG. I think Collingwood are a pretty good side. They've lost to Adelaide at, at uh, the Adelaide Oval. They've beaten Sydney in Sydney and they've beaten Brisbane. So I don't think Port Adelaide are actually going as poorly as what a lot of people are saying. And when they play in front of their home crowd, if you thought there was some atmosphere on Thursday night with Adelaide playing, Port Adelaide will ramp that up another 10 or 15%. So for me, I think they're a really, really good thing this week. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the midfield building that they've got as well. Zach Butters was back to some of his mm. best last week. I think Jason Horn Francis had some crucial moments late in that game. Tough ground balls that he picked up and got going his side's way. And Connor Rose, he's a star. So I'd be tipping the power tonight. Both of these teams seem to have found their wins on the back of when they've been emotionally challenged in the media. And both of them have had that real emotional charge. And you kind of wonder when the 
cut and thrust and that absolute endurance part of the season is coming on, the game, the team with the better game will be best served. I think as the season wears on, that could more than likely be the dogs. But right now... <laughs> After seeing and having lived it many, many years ago, you, Jared, you touched on it almost off the top, the emotional charge of this week for the home teams being Crows and Adelaide will carry a long way into this game. And, yeah, for that I'd probably have to swing with Port Adelaide. But, yeah, I worry these two teams in the early onset of this season why they only win when they're emotionally challenged. Give us a picture of the week in this town when Warren Treadray said what he said, and it's like it's so early in the season mm. to to set fire to it. Yeah, so he basically said that Ken Hinckley's position was untenable and that they had to move on him quickly so that they didn't waste the whole season. So he, I think he described them as they'll tread water for the rest of the year. Now, that was. Um, there was a little bit of context around that he did it on his own podcast and there was some caveats in there. But that, when you say that his position is untenable, that's what gets picked up. And then, of course, the next day there's a press conference with Ken. And so the back page of the paper for six solid days was a different angle on that, those comments. So Warren Treadray, there's another layer to it. He um, invited or um, offered his services to the board when there was a position that became vacant. They knocked that back and said, look, we'll, we'll wait for a little while and do a due process. Uh, and so there was that, that sort of slight other sort of layer to it as well. But when you, your one and only premiership captain comes out so uh, convincingly and black and white and says, this coach cannot be here anymore. That's that's always going to be a big story, not just in Adelaide, but nationally as it was. So a Port just bound to fight that all year, that every time there's a loss, and particularly if it happens to be an emotive loss, is that's going to bubble it, to the surface? Yeah, and the other thing that's happened as well, when you get a coach that's been around 10 years like Ken has and they haven't played in a grand final and they've had a couple of opportunities and the one against the Bulldogs here a couple of years ago where they came in red-hot favourites and were blown out of the water uh, in the first quarter, not dissimilar to Carlton, that that got a lot of people offside. So he's got his detractors, Ken Hinckley, and, it, and it's very close to the surface. So if Port Adelaide do slide a little bit, that you don't have to look very far to find them. SEN Survivor segment, your certainty of the round. Sale on now at Berwick Nissan, part of the Berwick Motor Group. So Sellers is the king of Survivor. He oh. Mike dropped St Kilda last week to beat the Gold Coast. <laughs> he goes on. Kingy went the Tigers. He holds too much faith there. And then we bullied Dermot out of Melbourne. We said that was the coward's <laughs> way. So we made him choose somebody else. He went for the Giants. So boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah. Dermot, we won't bully you this week. Who, who are you going to... Pick. All right, Geelong to beat West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared no, to wear it this week. If that is a, a soft kill. Yes. No, I'm, I'm. you can bull me out of that. I'll go for one of my old teams, Collingwood. Collingwood over St Kilda. I was going to go the Pies as well. Really keen yeah. to see what Jack Ginevan does when he's back. Now, I'm going with Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide to get over the Western Bulldogs, riding your wave of, emo wave of emotion, Derm, you've talked about. <laughs> Love it. Visit Berwick Nissan and test drive the new Nissan Qashqai, part of the Berwick Motor Group. Uh, fantastic. Bix, thanks for having oh, us. My pleasure. Just enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm proud of my city and I'm proud that so many people are here to experience it as well. And we're only halfway through. That's the best part. Yeah.
So you should be. It's, fa- it's fantastic. 14 minutes and 45 seconds to the first bounce at Mount Barker, the Lions and the Kangaroos. So hang in there, They're listeners. expecting about 12,000 people and about 400 yeah. uh, cows watching in the paddock <laughs> alongside. Cal, great to have you on Crunch Thank Time. You. Thanks, Jared. Off to the doubleheader. Good stuff. Cal, to meet there. The whole day of footy about to unfold on AFL Nation, the Saturday of Gather Round.